Welcome to episode 13 of Kept Secrets. My name is Nikki Rothrock. This podcast is a way that I try to help others who have experienced childhood sexual abuse, neglect, or trauma. I will discuss my personal experience and treatments that help to heal my broken heart and soul. My abuse started as early as five to six years old until I was 15 and by more than 20 different perpetrators. There's a long history, but I've been able to create this podcast in hopes of helping just one person. I hope that person is you. Welcome to episode 13. Um, Just got home from work feeling a little uh, anxious. I don't know why, but um, I was discussing with my best friend Brooklyn earlier today um, what I was going to do the episode on tonight. I feel like every time I try to prepare, like throughout the week, after I've done Monday, so like Tuesday through Sunday, I come up with nothing. And I, I'm like, I just can't figure out what topic. So today I was talking to Brooklyn and we came up with 10 questions to never ask or things to never say to a victim of childhood sexual abuse. Now this can also be, you know, for children who have been neglected, um, but it's mostly for the sexual abuse. So, I just need to introduce Archie as well because he is on a rant today with his little squeaker toy. So, if you hear that, I apologize. Um, So, the 10 questions, some of them are a little similar to other ones. It's just how they're phrased. So, if this is, if you are someone who has a relative, a friend, or someone in your life who has experienced sexual abuse as a child or teenager. Um, Some of these questions you might be thinking, but it's probably within your best interest (laughs) to not say these things or ask certain questions to a victim, mainly because you don't think it is, but it can be very um, belittling to the victim or survivor because, and I'll explain that as I'm going, but the first question I have is, why don't you just get over it? Okay. Well, trauma is something that is literally embedded in your brain after it happens. So it's not like it's something that you can get over. Um, someone gets in a horrific car, horrific car crash years later they still have tr- they still struggle with driving and it's because of that trauma so with sexual abuse if you're a child and you are being abused by an adult most of the time it's someone that you know and trust um there is a level of manipulation and rewiring in the child's brain that pretty much stays with them for the rest of their life. So when you go up to a victim or a survivor and you say, why don't you just get over it? That makes me want to punch the person in the face (laughs) because I'm like, if I could just get over it, I would, but I can't because this situation changed me physiologically, biologically, Emotionally, whatever it was, it changed me. 
sorry, my oven just heated up and the dog heard it. So, but this situation is not easily gotten over. Um, in my personal life, my brother, I love him dearly. Um, friends of mine or family members who know me know that that is a very tricky relationship because we grew up in the same household. We had the same mother, different fathers, but we also had the same stepfather who lived with us. Now, the stepfather, Tom, was abusive to both of us in different ways. So, as an adult, when I was processing all of the trauma and I was in treatment with Beth, um, my brother would get so angry with me when I was talking to my mom about it. And I was working through my own stuff. So a couple of times my brother's like, why don't you just get over it? And that phrase or that statement or that question, you know, you could say just get over it or um, why don't you just get over it? I can't believe you're not over this yet. Anything about getting over it is extremely hurtful. It hurt me because, you know, my brother did experience some trauma, some like physical abuse and neglect. I don't know if he experienced sexual abuse. He's never said anything to me about it. I've asked him and he's denied it. So in my brain, we both were on the same level of abuse, but for him, he was able to block a lot of his out because he was so young. Um, but he was, he also deals with his trauma differently, whether it be pot or drugs of other kind, you know, multiple relationships, dysfunctional relationships. And like I said, I love my brother, but it's, we have different lifestyles because of the trauma and the fact that I sought treatment and he didn't. The treatment was offered to him, but my mom denied it because she didn't think that there was anything wrong with him. So when he told me to just get over it, it really hurt my feelings because I felt like he wasn't understanding how bad the trauma was or how bad the abuse was. And when you say that to somebody, you're discounting their feelings and you are making them feel like what they feel and what they're going through is just not important anymore. You know, it may have been important when the, the stuff came out to the family or to the, you know, the legal system or whatever. But now, five, ten years later, the victim slash survivor is still trying to process it and work through the PTSD or the anxiety, the depression, the suicidal thoughts. They're still trying to process that and work through it. And when you say that to them, you are basically telling them that they are not worth it. They are not worth the trouble that they're going through to fix their heart and soul. And if I, <laughs> if a person said that to me today, that person would be like, you are done. Because that to me is someone who doesn't get me, somebody that doesn't want to invest time and um, love and friendship in our relationship. So I don't need, I can have an acquaintance, but you will not be in my little circle of friends. So, um, 
don't ever tell somebody to get over it. Don't ever ask them why they haven't gotten over it because you don't know what they went through. And by saying that, you really are knocking them back a little bit because then they have to under, they have to try to process, well, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just get over it? Well, damn, <laughs> you know, this poor person has been through hell and back and they have the courage to tell somebody that it happened and the courage to think that they are worth fixing and a comment that you make can unravel a lot of that for them. So just if just keep your mouth shut. If you want to say something like that, just keep your mouth quiet. Don't say anything. Um, because it's not your place to tell them where they need to be. Sometimes people need to get a little kick in the butt to kind of, you know, get the motivation to get out of bed or whatever. But why don't you get down on the level with them and where they are and ask them why they can't get over it? Ask them why and listen to them and see what you think after that conversation. Okay, (laughs) number two. I probably am going to come off like a total butthole today. (laughs) But this is something that as a survivor or a victim, however you want to, I classify myself a survivor because I have worked through it. But these are things that that are are kind of like pet peeve things. So, number two, why didn't you just tell someone? Okay, well, maybe the child tried. Maybe you weren't listening. Maybe they did tell you and you blew it off because you were like, oh, this kid's making this up. If you... Um, ever have a child come to you and say something like, and this is just an example I'm pulling out of the air, grandpa touched me down there, or uncle Bill, you know, rubbed my butt and it made me uncomfortable. Something as small as that can really affect a person. So if a child comes to you, if they have the courage and and the ability to come to you and say, hey, this has happened, and you dismiss them, shame on you. Because they did try to tell someone. Now, another thing that could happen in this situation is like in my personal situation with my stepfather, there was six years of abuse. The first few years, I was in a place where I felt like he loved me and no one else did. One, because he told me. Two, because the physical attention that I received from him and he was telling me that it was love, that's what made me feel like it was love. So why would I want to tell somebody at that time, being a young child, and nobody else in my life made me feel loved, and this person did? Now, I'm only saying this because um, in my situation... My parents, my father didn't live with me. I saw him once a week for maybe four or five hours. And then it went to um, once every two weeks for just like three or four hours. So I didn't see him a lot. And my stepmother and I didn't get along on the, the greatest of levels. So I always felt like 
very guarded with her, like very superficial, like, oh, everything is wonderful in my life, blah, blah, blah. Um, now Mr. Archie's going to start and we're only 12 minutes in. So I apologize, but I'm going to keep going and push through it. So hopefully he will stop. Um, so I didn't, I didn't tell anybody or say anything until fifth grade. Okay. So the abuse started in fourth grade and in fifth grade, I, I was upset with, with Tom about something and I, <clears throat> at that time in my life, I would write things down. I would write in a notebook and call it my journal. So when I did that, I didn't keep the thing a secret like I probably should have, or it would have been preferred that I did. So in fifth grade, the notebook was left somewhere where one of Tom's relatives found it, read it, was extremely appalled by it, took it to my mom, and she lost her shit to me. Not to Tom, to me. Because she said that if something like that got out, that it would cause all kinds of trouble, and why did I write stuff like that down? And, you know, in her barrel-like attempt to punish me like she was just screaming at me and of course I didn't feel the warm cozy feeling of oh mom wants me to tell her what happened stop so I didn't and I told her it was a lie and I kind of wish that I would have told her then because it would have saved me about I don't know five or six five five more years of abuse but at the time, the way she responded was extremely inappropriate for the time. And I didn't know that. Come here. So I didn't say anything else. I just went on. Now, Tom found out about this and he got angry with me because he felt like um, I should not be telling people our secret. So, that was fifth grade. I did try to tell someone, and they didn't, they weren't having it. So, the next time I tried to tell someone, um, was probably the sixth grade. So, a year or so later, one of my mother's friends who had a falling out with her called the welfare department, or DCS now, and told them that they felt like something inappropriate was happening and that they needed to check it out. So I had an appointment to go in and... Stop it, Archie. I had an appointment to go into DCS by myself, meet with a social worker, and explain to them how Tom did not abuse me because he was a wonderful stepfather and he would never do that to me. Well... That's what I was coached to say anyway. Tom found out about it. He was sick as hell over it because he knew that if I said the wrong thing, he was in big trouble. So he, I don't want to say bribed me, but I guess it was a bribe where, you know, he's like, don't say anything because I could go to jail and then your mom's going to have to do everything. Well, <clears throat> at that time, I didn't want that to happen. So... I recanted, 
and went on with my day. And I think at the time the social worker knew I was lying, but without my statement, there was nothing she could do. So they closed the case and I went on for seventh, eighth and ninth grade being sexually abused by Tom. I tried to tell people and nobody listened. Now, the first time. There was um, also another time, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade. It was, it was new, the, the abuse was new at the time. So it was early on. And I, I had mentioned something to one of my friends. I think it was my neighbor. And she told her mom and the mom pulled me aside one time when I was playing with her kids and was like, is this true? What happened? And I was like, no, because I didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't want to get in trouble. So I just, I didn't say anything else. And I felt like when, when my neighbor came to me, she was kind about it, but she was also Kind of like, if this did happen, I'm not going to let you play with my kids anymore. You know, like I could feel that at the time. So I was like, no, everything is fine. And I just went on. So you can't just ask somebody why they just didn't tell somebody because most of the time they tried and somebody didn't listen. So number three, why didn't you tell your teacher? Hmm. Well, uh, for myself, it was, nobody ever asked me. Um, it was pretty obvious by my, um, what's the word? Body, like my cleanliness, I guess my appearance that something was weird and something was off, but nobody said anything. I did have a teacher in the fifth grade. Ow! Sorry, I got bit. When I was in the fifth grade, who wrote me a sweet little note, and she was explaining how when we go through puberty, our bodies change, and sometimes we need to put on deodorant, basically. (laughs) And I was like, oh, well, that was embarrassing. You know, like, I didn't... So after that, I, you know, I was like, okay, I got to wear deodorant. So I did. But it wasn't, it wasn't her asking me if something was wrong at home. She just probably didn't feel comfortable saying it to me. So she thought she'd write a little note. So sometimes school is an escape from the abuse. You know, your friends are there. Sometimes there's a teacher that's a favorite teacher and they give you a little bit extra, like a hug and not inappropriate. I'm not saying teachers are inappropriate. There are some who are, but sometimes kids will cling on to a teacher that they feel, excuse me, that they feel comfort with. Now, um, I don't really think I had any of those. My fifth grade teacher um, was my favorite, still my favorite teacher of all time. So um, my dog is attacking my 20-year-old cat. So if you hear thumping around, it's just them wrestling. 
So number four, why don't you just not think about it? All right, well, why don't you, why don't you get hit by a car and your bones are all broken and then you tell me not to think about the pain? Because it's kind of the same thing, only it's emotional pain, not physical. But sometimes it is physical pain. Um, but when you get through, like in my situation, the abuse was over at 15. And it literally was all I thought about the whole time I was with Ryan. Because it was, everything was, was progressing with the legal system. Seriously, stop. Everything was progressing and it really consumed everything. I didn't understand feelings that I had. I didn't understand why I was so, looking back, I don't understand. Well, I do, but at the time I didn't understand why I was so clingy to Ryan when I could have maybe been in a better place with my mom or my dad. just gotta stare at him and he'll stop (laughs) sorry so it was always there there was always something reminding me um and even today yesterday I had um my cousin's lunch with my four other cousins who are my generation they're like just the girl cousins we like to have lunch once a once a month together and yesterday, we went to um, this place called the Mayberry Cafe. I've talked about this before. Where I would go, the, like the first time I went there, I was like, holy crap, this place. They have the Andy Griffith show playing in the background. So every like 26 or 28 minutes, you get the theme song whistling in the background. And it is everywhere. <laughs> And yesterday, we went there. We had a great time. Stop. Sorry. We had a great time. Um, We had good conversation. The food was decent. But toward the end of the the get-together or the lunch, toward the end of the lunch, a couple of the tables emptied out. And when that music came on it seemed extra loud. And (laughs) I remember commenting, why is it so loud? Like it felt like it was screaming at me. And, you know, for a second, I remembered that first summer when the abuse was going on and that, that TV show was on in the background during a lot of the times that Tom would abuse me. So, Now, it's not as crippling, like, emotionally crippling to hear that. So, um, going yesterday was kind of a good thing because I was able to see I didn't have any dreams last night, no nightmares. Um, I didn't have any negative response to that. So, if you're in the state of Indiana... (laughs) which is where I am. Um, there's a little town called Danville and this Mayberry Cafe is there and it is the whole Andy Griffith theme. They've got Aunt B and all this stuff. So if you like the down home 
fried chicken, fried catfish. Excuse me. If you like all of that, that's the place to go. Um, but for me, now even, so it's been more than 25 years since the abuse ended. And I still think about it. 25 years later. <clears throat> now I think about it because... I do this podcast every week, but I also think about it um, when I think about my mother, because this was such a big part of our relationship, even toward the end. Um, I don't really think about it with my dad as much because, you know, he had his own struggles, emotional struggles at the time, and you know, I don't I don't blame him. I don't really blame my mom as much. The person I blame is Tom. So, it's his fault because he's the one that made the choice. So, moving on to number 5. Um never say to a, a survivor or a victim, "Why can't you just move on?" And this is like a future reference. So it's kind of like number one about why don't you just get over it? Why don't you just move on? Well, because when you are a victim or survivor of childhood sexual abuse, it messes with every single aspect of your life. You move forward. You try to move forward. You know, you get a job. And then maybe the depression hits, hits um, and it lasts a little longer than normal and you can't get out of bed and you, you end up losing the job. Or you want to go toward a job that you really, really want, but your confidence is so in the dirt that you can't find an outfit that you feel doesn't make you look like white trash. <clears throat> and I say that because I personally go through that. Um, you can't move forward because you have issues in relationships that you're in or the victim survivor does. Um, they tend to gravitate to the people who maybe make them feel good in the instant maybe make them feel protected, they're possessive of them, but then when you look back at it, you realize that that was also an abusive relationship or situation. So when you are not able to recognize those things, it's really hard to move forward into a happy life because you're still in the cycles of abuse in some way. So... Why can't you just move on? Well, because I'm not finished working through the trauma yet. And I need you to back off. And I need you to either be there for me or don't talk to me about it. Because when you say that to me, it's too much. And it makes me feel guarded. It makes me feel like you are not a safe place for me to to go to to talk. So... If you are the person saying this to the victim or survivor, just don't say it. 
maybe encourage them to go to treatment. Um, I asked a question in one of the Facebook groups that I'm, I'm a member of a couple, a couple adult survivor of sexual abuse groups. And one of the, I did ask some questions about, you know, tell me something that somebody has said to you that just drives you mad. And one person said, why can't you just move on? Or I forgot why I was going with that. But basically, across the board, all survivors slash victims want to move forward. They're stuck. And it is not cool of you to pass judgment on them and tell them that what they're feeling is not important and they should just move past it. So, like I said earlier, a lot of these questions or statements are related or sound the same. They're just maybe phrased differently. Um, So, excuse me. When you want to ask them, why can't you just move on? Or why didn't you tell somebody? Or why can't you just get over it? Really think about what that's going to make them feel like. And I understand that... (laughs) This dog. I understand that you as a family member or a friend of the victim slash survivor. And I use both of those terms because some people are still in the victim role and some people are, are graduating into the survivor role. So I don't want you to think one, seriously, stop. Go lay down. My gosh. Sorry. That's, I don't know what he wants, but so I use both titles because I'm referring to anyone in either category. So when you talk to them, just think about what you say first and how it might be perceived. And I promise you that the, I promise you that the victim slash survivor is not just sitting and spinning their tires in mud on purpose. There's a reason. And maybe you could say to them, let's talk about it. Why do you feel this way? And, or, you know, some, some people, (laughs) I'm about to put this dog out in the cold. Some people are very, victims and survivors are very defensive when you say, when you say, why don't you go to therapy? Or have you taken your medication? Or, you know, just, just stop. That's none of your business. It's none of your business. And when you say it to them like that, it's like nails on a chalkboard, like this dog who's irritating me. And I think he knows he's irritating me and he keeps doing it. I don't know what he wants, but I really am sorry about the animals. Okay, so moving on to number six. Someone suggested 
Why did you take so long to tell someone? Well, hold on a second. I'm going to get this dog. Okay, so I have him in my arms, so hopefully he'll be quiet. Why did you take so long to tell someone? Well, in my situation, I took a while because I wasn't getting the love and attention that I wanted or that sounds a real, that sounds kind of weird, but I was getting love and attention that I thought was real. And I thought that Tom really did love me. And I thought that, you know, when I turned 16 and I said this last week that we would run away together and live happily ever after. Now I think about that and I feel this super ick feeling because I'm like, ugh. I don't want to even think about what my life would be like if he were in it now. I can't even imagine. I would be miserable. I would be, I would be sad. I would be stifled in life. I wouldn't be able to maintain my job or be in the relationship with my husband because Tom would never let me live a life that he wasn't controlling. So why did I wait so long? Because I finally grew up, Tom left, and I felt like I could tell someone. And when I told Ryan, he believed me. So that made all the difference in the world. It was the timing for me. Um, so with other people, it's probably just the timing or, you know, they... They just went along with it because they didn't feel like they had a choice. That's probably most of the issue. They didn't feel like they had a choice. They didn't feel like they could tell anybody. Um, Another person said, why, for number seven, why didn't you just, why didn't you tell your mother? Well, in my situation, I didn't tell my mother because she didn't want to hear it. She was not having it period. She was not having it. So even if I did go to her at the age of 10 or 12 and say, mom, Tom has been coming to my room at night. He makes me do things to him in the car. Like when we're on the paper out, like if I went to her and told her that, so here's what, what she would do. And I know this because it kind of happened in a different kind of situation. She would scream and yell at me because she would say, well, why didn't you tell me this a long time ago? Or how long has it been going on? And then she would have gone to him, lost her mind, screamed and yelled at him. And then nothing would have changed. Nothing would have changed. The only reason why he left was because he had another girlfriend. And he went to her and left my mother. So... He would have stayed. He would have stayed had he not found someone else. Bell, stop. So, I didn't tell my mother because she was not a safe place for me at the time. Other people, um, they maybe did tell their mother and their mother said things to them like, well, you know you wanted it. You were a, a tease. And now you're mad because he took you up on it or, you know, just victim blaming. 
And that's not okay. If you're a mom and you're listening to this and you've said that, shame on you. Shame on you. Because no child or teenager deserves to be violated in that way. So maybe you need to rethink how you mother your child. Maybe you need to turn it back on yourself and say, why am I so mis- why am I so mean and and vile toward my child who's been hurt? My child just simply needs me to tell them that I love them and I'm sorry that this happened to them. Stop, seriously. So before you start victim blaming and you tell the child or teenager that it was their fault, you need to stop and you need to think about it because it is not their fault. I don't care. And this was one example that Beth used in my treatment years ago because I had a really hard time with the guilt. I felt like it was my fault. What? I felt... He wants stupid treats. So, excuse me, for a long time I felt like it was my fault. So I would say things like, well, you know, I asked him if he was going to tuck me in at night. Because that, here, because that's what he used to do. He would um, come into my room at night after my mother would leave to go do her newspaper out. And then he would do what he was doing and then he would leave and go help her with the newspaper out. But I would tell him, I would ask him, are you going to tuck me in tonight? Because that was our little code for, I'm going to come up there. I felt guilt because it was almost like I was inviting him. When I wasn't, I was just kind of preparing, I think. But Beth said to me, she's like, you know, I don't care if you were 17 years old and he was 25. And you were standing in front of him completely naked. And you were like... I want to have sex with you right now. That was not my choice to make. He is the adult in the situation. He is the one over 18 years old. He is the one who chose to take advantage of the person who was under 18. That's, it's as simple as that. So maybe you need to think about the man that you're with or the person who violated your child because... We could very easily turn this around and blame you for it. And I'm not saying I sound very aggressive in this comment, but <clears throat> I hear it a lot on Facebook. You know, the moms are taking the side of the boyfriend or the husband because, in all honesty, it's because they are scared to live without that person in their life. They're willing to put up with the fact that this man raped their child. Or this man um, decided to, I don't know, just sexually molest their child for years. But because of their insecurity and the fact that they don't know what they would do without this person in their life, they're going to let their child continue to go through it. That is not okay. You need to rethink your life if that's how you feel. You need to realize that you are part of the problem in this entire cycle of abuse because you are enabling the abuser to do what they're doing to your child. Okay. (laughs) I need to reel it in a little bit because I, 
I get extremely uh, opinionated when it comes to um, people who victim blame. These dogs are nuts. Oh, okay. A couple more to go. Number eight. Why didn't you tell the abuser to stop? Okay, well, I did tell the abuser to stop. And he didn't. Told him I didn't want to do it anymore. And he guilted me into continuing to do it. He threatened to tell my mom. And then he also told me that if we told my mom, he would go to jail. And she would have to do all the work, all the newspaper routes, all the stuff around the house. She would have to do it all. He guilted me into continuing a sexual relationship. That's not love. That's abuse. So, you know, rape situations could be as easy as a young person being held down against their will and they're like, get off of me, get off me. The first time somebody says that to you, get off of them or you're crossing the line. Simple. If somebody is telling you they don't want to do something, leave them alone. They don't want to do it. It's so frustrating because I feel like that question is, again, victim blaming. Well, you didn't tell the abuser to stop, so you kind of deserved it. You know, this reminds me of a time when I was right out of high school. And I went to visit one of my friends from high school. And I went to her mom's to visit her. And the mom had had a lot to drink that night. It was pretty common that she drank every night. Um, She was very mouthy. But I loved her mom. I thought, "She's she's just awesome, you know. When we didn't have electricity when I was in the eighth grade, this friend's mom allowed me to live with them so that I could bathe and wash my clothes because I couldn't do that at home. So this one particular evening, she had had a lot to drink, and I don't remember what brought this conversation up, but I do remember she told me that I wanted him to have sex with me. And I wanted what he did to me. And I was like extremely offended. And then I was kind of sad because I realized that here's this adult woman who I care for very much. Yes, she was drunk, but that does not give her um, a get out of jail free card on that. She knew what she was saying. And a lot of times people say that Drunk people speak the truth or they speak what they really feel. So obviously she thought that I felt that I wanted this relationship slash abusive relationship to happen. And I was like, I was nine years old when it started. Um, I didn't really have the mental capacity to make that decision. He made it for me. So back off. I left there and I cried and I cried because I was like, how could somebody say that? Like, how could you say that I wanted him to abuse me? That is the farthest thing from the truth. Nobody wants that. Everybody wants to live a happy life. A lot of people don't know what that is. 
but everybody wants it, right? So I promise you, most of the time, the victim slash survivor did ask or tell their abuser to stop, and the abuser didn't stop. Um, number nine, it's over and done with. Why can't you move on? So that one is kind of like number five. Why can't you just move on? It's just the it's over and done with part. Yes, it's over and done with. But like I said before, the first event started changing the chemical makeup of this child. And I can remember um, an episode of Dr. Phil, going back to Dr. Phil. Um, He was talking about pornography and children and how, and he actually had like a side-by-side brain image of this child before the child was exposed to pornography and after. And there was a difference. So a child just seeing that changes their brain. Imagine the difference that that, or the thing that that child goes through, the change when someone is physically touching them, violating them. Now, it could be a gentle abuser. It could be somebody that slaps you around, pulls your hair, throws you against, like, it could be violent. But it still changes the child. So... Just because it's over and done with, and it was 25 years ago for me, doesn't mean that I'm not still going to think about it and I'm not still going to be affected by it because it is still there. It is ingrained in my brain. It is ingrained in my soul. Now, it, it does get a little bit easier after treatment, but there are still days when it's there. Um... Number 10, that was X number of years ago. Why does it still bother you? This kind of goes along with number nine. So for me, this statement could be, that was 25 years ago. Why does it still bother you? Well, it bothers me because it was wrong and I was violated. And it bothers me that people took his side. It bothers me that I have physical trauma inside my body because of choices that that man made or those men because there were more, I mean, that caused the trauma. There were more than just Tom. So it bothers me. (laughs) It bothers me because I don't have my own children. I'm not saying... 100% for a fact that it was because of the abuse that I can't have children. But I believe a lot of it is. And it bothers me that families will take the side of the abuser over the side of the child. What does the child have to gain by saying that grandpa touched them? A child, what do they have to gain? Now, you could say a teenager or an adult, possibly they could come out and have something to gain from it. Maybe getting back at grandpa for punishing. I don't know. But a child, what do they have to gain? 
other than asking you to protect them. That's why they told you. So it bothers me when families choose the abuser over the victim. And if I were the victim and my family chose Tom or any of the other ones over me, I would no longer be in contact with that family member because that to me is a that to me is a sign that I'm not important to them. Um, there was a time when my stepmother made a comment shortly after I disclosed the abuse. Um, she started, first off, she told my dad that I only said something because of I wanted attention. It was the furthest thing from my mind, you guys. I didn't want attention. And gosh, I didn't want the attention that I ended up getting because it was like, oh, you're a whore and blah, blah, blah. Well, I guess if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. But that's not how it was. So she made this comment uh, to my dad who told me later, but she sat, I remember sitting at her kitchen table and she asked me a bunch of questions. And I think at that time, my answer, you know, she was asking me about the abuse and how often it's happened or it had happened. And excuse me, why didn't I ever say anything? And I told her, I told her my truth at that time. And I told her I didn't tell anybody because I didn't, I didn't feel like anybody would believe me. And her comment to my father before that was a lot of the response I thought I was going to get. So, you know, the, she's just saying something for attention. When somebody says that and they see this out of control teenager who has been traumatized for years and there's this behavior of acting out they're sleeping around with other people they're doing drugs they can't keep a job they flop from one house to another they don't have good friendships or relationships that is the trauma you guys that's the trauma the trauma caused that so until they get they deal with the trauma and they work through it. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not saying that just because I went to therapy, all my relationships are perfect and my life is 100% awesome. I mean, my life is pretty great. I don't say that very often, but I have a nice home. I love my husband with everything in me. I love my stepkids. I like my job. I have good friends. Um, my family is pretty great most of the time. <laughs> Uh, so I don't really have any complaints. And when, you know, you asked me that 10 years ago, I had some complaints. I didn't really care about my job. I didn't make enough money. I was, you know, just starting out somewhere and didn't feel appreciated. Well, finally I found my voice and I started, you know, speaking up for myself. And somebody who has been through any kind of trauma is going to struggle with that. They may come across as arrogant, but that's just a self-defense mechanism 
because they don't want people to get close to them. Um, I don't have a lot of time left, so I'm going to probably wrap up. But I apologize for the animals who are in the background being annoying. I really hope that that doesn't keep you... My chicken's done. (laughs) I hope that doesn't keep you from listening again. Um, The only thing, you know, if if you want to comment on any of this, I encourage um, conversations on the Facebook group, Kept Secrets, and a podcast about overcoming childhood abuse. Um, I have an email address now if you want to communicate with me directly. Um, it's kepsecretpodcast at gmail.com. And you can always send me a direct message through Facebook, the Facebook group. Um, I encourage you to share this podcast with people who may have said something like that to you, something that was on my list, and see what they say. <laughs> Because maybe they just didn't know. Um, I'm an open book with my past and my treatment. And if you have questions, please ask. If you have topic suggestions, please let me know. Because I want to help you. And if I'm over here talking about A and you're looking for B, I want to I help you. So please feel free to reach out. Um, otherwise... I hope that you have a great evening or day or whatever time, whatever you're doing today. I hope that you can find your voice and take your power back in whatever you're going through. Um, Because I promise it's worth it. And I just ask that you make good choices. (laughs) Have a good rest of your day.